have your Bibles and you want to go to Matthew chapter 6, that's where we're going to begin this morning. I had met the Lord in my apartment in uh, 1978. I was 21 years old. And I not only became a believer, but right away, I, I really wanted to follow Jesus. I wanted to be like him, and I wanted to do everything that he did. And I got deep in the Bible, and I could see him. I could go through the four Gospels and see what Jesus was like. And, and I wanted to follow him and imitate him, which is what discipleship means. And um, so I didn't just become a believer. I, be, I became a disciple and I wanted to do everything that Jesus did so I could become what he became. And um, I just fully committed my life to him. And I, I was alone. I, I, I started going to church, but I didn't have anyone really mentoring me. I didn't have anyone really coaching me. I uh, didn't really have a family behind me, a, a born-again Christian family behind me that could show me the way. Really, all I could do is cry out to Jesus and ask him to lead me and guide me and show me how to live this life, how to go all the way with him. And I remember one day uh, in that first year that I had become a Christian, uh, stepping off a curb. Walk, I was getting ready to walk across the street, and I was just watching the cars, and I get ready to step off the curb. And this idea went through my mind that had never crossed my mind before, never had this idea. And the idea was... Uh, you should begin to fast. Well, I'd never fast a single meal before. Didn't know how to fast, didn't know anything about fasting. But it, it hit me as I just said, out of the blue. I wasn't thinking about what can I do more, or, uh, how can I complicate my life more. Just this fleeting idea that came loaded with a, a desire. All of a sudden, I had the want to. It wasn't just the idea the idea of fasting, I, I'd never heard a sermon about it. No one sat down eyeball to eyeball with me and said, you need to begin fasting. Uh, never heard a, my pastor talk about it. Uh, it was foreign. It was a foreign idea. I knew it was in the Bible. I knew it was a biblical thing. I knew Jesus fasted for 40 days one time. I knew that Moses had fasted 40 days twice back to back, which is superhuman. Uh, I knew that John the Baptist was a faster. I knew that Paul was a faster. So I knew that much, but I didn't know anything about fasting. I remember just getting ready to walk across the street, and this idea hit me that I should begin fasting. But with it came this desire, I want to, that I never had before. I wanted to, I wanted to find out what fasting was. I wanted to experience it. As I went down and crossed the street, went down the street just a little bit, there's a Christian bookstore on the other side of that street. So I thought, well, I'll go in and find a book on fasting and, and uh, learn, learn more about how to do it. So I went in, and there's a lady behind the desk, and I said, could you take me to your fasting section? And she looked at me kind of funny. And when I got to the back of the store, I realized there is no fasting section. There was one skinny book on fasting. And that's all there was. And she showed me the book, and it was just a little skinny book. And it didn't say anything, no how-tos, no direction, no practical insights. It was just Bible verse after Bible verse, the very thing that I could have 
found with a concordance. I knew how to use a concordance by that time. But it didn't tell me anything at all. It just showed me that it was in the Bible from Genesis to maps. It's in there. So this idea of fasting, and now I had a want to, and I said, Jesus, would you teach me how to fast? And so, so uh, would you be interested if I taught you some things this morning that Jesus taught me in those early days? Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Jesus was a faster, of course, and his disciples uh, became great fasters. All 12 of them became uh, committed to fasting. And there was a period of time when, when uh, the Pharisees who fasted two times a week, it was required, it was mandatory, you had to fast two times a week. It was like a law. So they had two different days where they fasted. And they noticed that Jesus' disciples were not fasting. And uh, they became critical and John's, John the Baptist, he was a, a well-known faster. He fasted. He lived what's called the fasted life. When it talks about Jesus, talked about him eating locusts and honey, didn't mean he didn't eat. It meant that he didn't eat just anything. He, he limited his whole life to a place where he was perpetually weak. Because when you're weak and you come into that intentional weakness, the power of God comes upon you. And he experienced that. So he lived a life of fasting. And his disciples fasted often because John fasted. Uh, discipleship means that you do what your master does so you can become what he became. The disciples of John, they fasted. The Pharisees had disciples. They fasted because their masters fasted twice a week. And they came and they became critical of Jesus saying, how come your disciples don't fast? He said, he said well, right now it's like a big wedding. It's just like, <laughs> these are not the days for fasting. This is, this is like... I mean, can you imagine going to a wedding, uh, going to a wedding like we went to the, we had the Reels wedding recently and, and other weddings, Millie's wedding. Can you imagine going there and fasting at that, at that wedding? Just That would just be the wrong time, the wrong message. And he said, well, this is kind of like a wedding time and, and it's not the time to fast, but my disciples will fast. So Jesus expected his disciples to fast. Turn to the person next to you, look them in the eyeball and say, Jesus expects you to fast. Can you do that? He expects you to fast. At some point when the time is right, he expected them to fast. But the problem was, is the Pharisees fasted to get applause. They fasted to get Attention, they wanted to be known as deeply spiritual, and so they would go out in public looking long-faced and looking haggard, uh, looking weak, and, and with a you know, clear message that I'm super spiritual because I fast all the time. And um, Jesus talked about this. He talked about giving in public. He talked about prayer in public, and he talked about fasting in public. The, these are part of the five disciplines that Jesus brought. And... Um, he said this, if you look at verse 16, this is Matthew 6, verses 16 to 18. Jesus said, said moreover, when you fast. So there's a, there's a time when Jesus expects his disciples to fast. Are you a disciple of Jesus? He expects you to fast. He's moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites. Hi hypocrites is a term... It's an acting term. It's where you wear a mask on the one, you're one way on the outside, you're another way on the inside. And that's what the Pharisees were, with sad countenance, 
for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. Now, the reward was they're at home and, and they figured out that if I go out in public looking haggard and looking like I'm fasting, what I'll get for that is I'll get applause and I'll get recognition as being super spiritual. And, and uh, so Jesus, that's the reward. That's the reason that they're fasting. And that was the motivation behind it. So Jesus said, they'll get what they're fasting for. They'll get the cheap applause of people. They'll get a little bit of acclaim, which you eat. And the moment you eat it, you're hungry again. You can never get enough acclaim. You can get an, never get enough positive support from people. You can never get enough recognition that you're spiritual. And he says, they'll, they'll get their reward. In other words, you can fast for something. You determine what you're fasting for, and that's what you'll get. So here's what Jesus says. He says, they'll get their reward. They'll get some cheap applause. They'll get a little bit of acclaim. A Verse 17, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. No one should know that you're fasting. So that you, you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who's in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now here's what I learned about fasting from Jesus. There's a reward. There's a reward for fasting. How you do it, why you do it, is super, super important. He said, what you do is you do it for your father's eyes only. You do it for his approval. You want his applause. You want his, you want his appreciation and approval. You want that from the father. He said, there's a secret place. There's this intimate relationship that you have with the father. And Jesus is revealing how he fasted and why he fasted. He tapped into something that he said, I do this for my father's eyes only. I do this for his appreciation, for his approval. I, want, I know he's looking. I want him to see what I'm going through. And he says, when you tap into this and you, you do this unto your father in heaven, he said, there's a reward. There's a reward as sure as anything. There is a reward for you. And that reward will be done openly. Other people will see it. In other words, if you're doing it to be cleaner and, 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 and more godly and more spiritual and more sensitive spiritually, people, and that's your motive for doing it for the father, people will actually perceive you as a, as a, as a spiritual, sensitive, godly person. They'll perceive you that way. God will actually put that reward upon you. And there's other rewards. You can actually, uh, I found out that you can actually predetermine on the front end of the fast what you're going after. And you say, Father, I want to fast for my family to come in the newness of life. I want to fast for my marriage to go on to a different level. I want to fast because uh, my, my flesh is dominating me and pulling me down. I want to break that. I mean, you could fast for a number of different things, and you actually tell the Father beforehand, this is what I'm fasting for. And when he hears you and he sees your motives, he actually gives you those things where other people can see your breakthrough. They can see the response from heaven to your fasting. But you can decide. One of the things I learned as I went through the scriptures on fasting is there was no time where God actually got a hold of someone by the lapel and held them, brought them up, said, you have to fast. You must fast. It's just not in the Bible. 
everything I see from Daniel and Moses is I see, I see that they decided to fast. They chose. They set the agenda for how they would fast, what they would fast, how long they would fast. That's up to you. God's not going to come down and tell you 40 days, 20 days, 10 days. He's not going to put that on you. That's something that comes out of, it has to come out of your want to. It has to come out of the volition. And so what he will do, and this is what I experienced that day when I was getting ready to step across the curb. I was hit with an idea that came with a desire. And I can say this, that I don't think I've ever heard in 40 some years of being a disciple of the Lord, I, I don't think I've ever heard him say, you need to fast. What has happened is I'll get this desire that will hit me, a desire, a want to. And that want to, if I put my want to with that want to, it pleases the Father. Your want to is everything to him. A forced fast where he imposes a fast on you, a Ramadan kind of thing upon you, is not the heart of the Father. He wants to see that you have a want to, that you have a desire. And so I experienced this desire. I cooperated with it. I yielded to it. And, and, and here's what I did. As a new Christian, I decided, I, I mean, I didn't have anyone to talk to. I, there's no books about it back then uh, other than the one I mentioned. I decided I'm going to explore fasting. And I decided that I would fast a whole day once a week. And, and I'm thinking about my week, and I thought, well, Wednesday. I'm just going to choose Wednesday. I, I decided that. God didn't tell me to fast. I just, I just said Wednesday. That, uh, you know, I'm Sunday, I'm coming off a high, and by Wednesday, I'm needing a boost, and that boost would carry me through to the next Sunday. That was my thinking. So I chose Wednesday, and I decided to fast, uh, you know, stop, stop eating after my evening meal one day, Fast all that night, which is fast. That's why they call it breakfast. Fast all that night. Fast all the next day and all the next night until the next breakfast. And so that turned out, I didn't do the math on it, but that's 36 hours of, of fasting. And I decided to do it. And so the battle, I heard Christians talk about fasting and it sounded like a war. It sounded like a battle. It sounded like they didn't want to do it. It sounded like they felt like God told them to do it. It just, it, I didn't want to go that way. I just decided, I just decided, this is really important that you hear this, not about Pan, about you. I just decided that every Wednesday is a fast day and nothing doesn't matter what comes down the pike. Doesn't matter what the schedule. Doesn't matter who throws the barbecue. Doesn't Wednesday is my fast day. I'm going to fast and I'm going to miss meals. And it turned out to be 36 hours. That, I wasn't even thinking that. I was just going from an evening to a morning the next day. And uh, Jewish people often fast. What they'll do is they'll stop eating at, at 7 o'clock at night after their evening meal. And they'll fast until the next evening meal, 24-hour fast. And that's a very typical Jewish fast. I didn't know that. I just wanted to go deep. I just wanted to go far. I just wanted to see where fasting would take me. I wanted to see what kind of spiritual life would come out of. And so I just, I made up my own. And I went on the strength of that decision and that desire that hit me that day on the curb. I went on the strength of that for more than 10 years where I just never deviated. It didn't matter. You couldn't tempt me. I made up my mind. 
I was committed to it, for, and, it and it lasted for more than 10 years. I actually got into a problem. I got too skinny. I remember one time just, uh, I would wear long johns under my pants just to fill them out. Uh, I just got so skinny. I said, Lord, can I just break this for a little while? And the funny thing was, is, you know, I, I did break it for, and then I had a real hard time getting it back. Had a, then next, the, the battle that I heard other Christians talking about became part of my life. Jesus says there's a reward. So different times I would say, I, I, would, I was uh, not just a disciple, but I had disciples, people that I was discipling, and they had real issues, bondages that need to be broken. So I would fast for them and say, Lord, I'm asking that you break this bondage. And so I would abstain from eating, abstain from drinking certain things to be able to fast for other people. Let's go to Daniel. We're going to study the book of Daniel in our small groups. And Daniel become, became an example of fasting, a great example. And so chapter one, uh, you know the story, but we're just going to look at it briefly. Uh, Daniel's a captive. He's a teenager. He's just like you. He's a teenager. But he's a principal teenager. He's godly. He, he wants God in the center of his life. And they came and they set out all this feast, this great food that belonged to the king and the king's wine. And everything that the king ate was set before them. So you can picture octopus and snails and, and, and seafood and pork and, and uh, all, kinds of, all kinds of meats uh, done all different kinds of ways. Real, if you could just picture a big Chinese buffet and all the kinds of wine. And, and these young men were supposed to eat the king's food so they could become like the king. It's the same kind of principle. Except Daniel looked at it and he said, if I eat that, it'll, it'll defile me spiritually. He had a conscience to God. He knew that there are some things that the Bible forbid eating. And he looked at it and he says, I can't do this. But he didn't go into this arrogant, hand on the hip kind of mode, wagging his finger saying, I'm not going to do that. You're not going to make me eat that slop. I'm not going to eat that, that pig food. And, you know, he didn't go down that way. He's godly. And, he, and he's wanting to be like God. And so he moved into this incredible humility where he actually pulled the guy aside who's responsible for what he's to eat and said, uh, I can't eat this food. And the guy says, you have to. The king's commanded it. He says, I can't eat this food. And the guy says, my head's on the chopping block. If you, if, if you look worse than the other people during this time, they're going to kill me. And this, this guy's saying this, he likes Daniel. He, could tend, he can tell that Daniel's an outstanding, godly young man. So Daniel does this thing that's profound. He says, I'll tell you what, let's do a little test. And he appeals to authority. Rather than this rebellious, arrogant a attitude of saying, you're not making me do this, and I know my rights, and you, it's my body, you can't tell me what... The, he didn't go into any of that. He actually understood the, the position the guy was in. And so he laid, he laid out a test. He said, I'll tell you what, give us vegetables and water and after, do, do it for 10 days and just test us. Look and watch and see if we don't look better than the other guys. And the guy said, okay, we'll do it for 10 days. The clock is ticking. And so that's a fast. 
Now, where did that come from? Daniel set that up. Daniel chose that. That was his idea. No one's going to make you fast. God's not going to make you fast. There's no books that are going to command you the fast. There's no Bible verse that we can lay it. And, and like Andrew said, hitch over the head with the Bible verse. We, we, it's just not there. It's your choice. You can go as far in this thing as you want to. And, and he didn't abstain completely from food and drink. He just limited what, he was gonna, what his intake was going to be to vegetables. That's why we call it the Daniel Fast. And there's a slide that will come up on the screen. And we want to take, I want to I uh, lead us into doing this for this next month. And he said 10 days, and it actually went beyond that. Daniel became a teenager. He became a faster. He tapped into something. And God saw it, and here we are, we're reading about it thousands of years later. I mean, it's a tremendous story. And it goes on. One time Daniel realized his people, his nation's in bondage, and um, he wanted to get them out. And he knew that there were uh, uh, conditions that God had prophesied that was going to happen through Jeremiah. If you want to go with me to Daniel chapter 9. Jeremiah had prophesied that there's going to be 70 years. And Daniel, he's, he's uh, I'm sorry, ch chapter 10. Daniel, he's starting to intercede for his, for his nation. And so he decides to fast. And he decides that he's going to fast uh, at length. He sets the time. He determines what he's going to fast. I knew a guy who fasted chocolate. He just would. You couldn't tempt him with chocolate. He didn't work in a chocolate factory. But he decided it. I, I feel like I'm supposed to abstain from chocolate. You can abstain from alcohol. You can abstain from different kinds of things that you feel that you should do. In this case, Daniel, he decides to fast for the nation. And he sets his heart. And if you go with me to Daniel chapter 9, if I can find it. Look at verse 3. He says, Then I set my face toward the Lord, the Lord God, to make requests by prayer and supplications with fastings, with sackcloth, with ashes. And I prayed to the Lord and made confession. He took it on himself that someone's got to confess sins. It's going to be me confessing sins for the nation. He actually set his face and said, I've decided I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. I'm going to bring supplications to the Lord. Look at chapter 10. In verse 2, it's a different king, a different time, and it says in verse 2, it says, In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. And mourning here is actual mourning, just like if you're mourning for a lost loved one. It's the same word. But it's related to fasting. Fasting, there's a certain sadness that comes with fasting. There, there, there's a, something that happened in your soul. Uh, you won't feel that euphoria. That will come after the fast. During a fast, for me, it's a heavy. It's not easy. And so there is a, a sense of mourning, a sense of weakness, which I don't normally like that feeling of weakness. But I want the power of God to rest upon me. And so Daniel actually said it. And he decided that he's going to fast for three weeks. You could actually decide today that you're going to decide today that you could fast certain kinds of foods. Or go and fast for whole periods of time with no food. Just, just 
uh, water, you can decide. You can decide and say, by the end of January, I want to explore fasting. That's three full weeks. I want to explore fasting to see where I end up, to see what God does. And during this time, I'm going to pray for breakthrough for the people I love. That's what Daniel was doing as a young man. He's deciding. There's no leader. There's no elder. There's no pastor coming saying, you must do this for three weeks. You must pray for your nation. You must pray for your church. You must pray for your pastor. No one's saying that. He's deciding it. I think that was one of the most liberating things that I found was that the option of whether or not I did it and how far I went with it was me. It's on me. That just took this big monkey off my back. Then I, I didn't feel guilty when I broke a fast. And I didn't feel, I didn't, it was between, it was my decision in the first place. And I could choose how far I go with it, what I do, how I fast. And Daniel, he fasted for three, four weeks. Now he decided that he would fast. Uh, and he called it a no pleasant food fast. So he decided there'd be no desserts, nothing sweet, no candy, uh, no, no, no fancy breads, no fancy uh, French cooking. He decided it's just going to be lentils and beans. It's going to be vegetables. And he decided it's just going to be limited to a certain kind of food for three weeks. No pleasant food. Nothing that I would really long for. Because he didn't want to give in to his flesh, who longs for all kinds of things. Longs, you know, you start a fast, next thing you know, you're starting to long for things you don't even normally eat. He just said, no, nah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast, but it's going to be certain kinds of foods and nothing else is going to come in my mouth for three weeks. And he set that period of time on the front end. And that's what he committed to. That's what I encourage you to do. Choose what you'll fast for how long. You can even fast media. Look at, look at um, uh, Daniel chapter 9. I'm sorry, I get my verses mixed up here. Make sure I got it here. Let's go back to chapter 6. This is the story of Daniel and the lion's den. And if you look, you know, they threw Daniel in the lion's den, and the king didn't want that to happen, but it was a decree. Now, verse 18 says, Now the king went to his palace, Daniel's been thrown to the lions, and he spent the night fasting. The king decided to do that. And no musicians were brought before him. Also, he fasted sleep. You can fast sleep. You can fast musicians. See, back then, there's no internet. There's no YouTube. There's no YouTube, uh, iTunes. There's no record players. What the king had is he could call in the best singers in the land and jugglers and comedians, and he could bring them in every night before he went to bed and just have this uh, entertainment. That was his entertainment. It was live entertainment. But now Daniel, who he loves, has been thrown to the lions, and he can't, that's not his heart. He can't continue doing what he does every night. So he decided, he told his, his waiters, no food tonight. And he says, and call the musicians, tell them, don't bother coming. No musicians, but king, you have musicians every night. It's what you do. It's, uh, that's, that's your YouTube. He said, no YouTube for me. No iTunes, no iPod, no, whatever, whatever we do. He said none of that tonight. In fact, he said, I'm not even going to go to bed. I'm not even going to sleep. I'm concerned about Daniel. And it's a powerful 
media fast that this guy's on. You could go on, you could declare between now and the end of the month that you're cutting out media. You could fast your phone. You could fast, you could fast anything you want to fast. It's not just about food. You could fast uh, all kinds of social time. Just say, nah, I'm going to spend more time in prayer. So when I decided that I was going to fast, I, I started seeing it every... It's kind of like when you drive a Volkswagen, you see Volkswagens everywhere. As soon as I started to fast, I just saw Bible verses come off the page all through the Bible about fasting. It just came alive to me. Once you commit... In my case, it was a certain day of the week for a certain period of time. Total, total absence, no food. I could drink water, and I decided now, because I could decide, I decided I wasn't going to fast coffee. I had friends who fasted a little bit, and they fasted coffee. I'd get a headache if I stopped drinking coffee, so I thought, well, one battle at a time. So I'm going I'm to keep drinking tea or coffee, whatever, but... I stopped drinking. I would not drink soda or anything, uh, sugary juices and those kinds of things because I found that sugar actually created appetite. So here I was fasting and working against my own fast by putting sugar in my system, which craved more food. I thought, well, that's crazy. I'm, not, I'm just going to no more sugar, no more sugary uh, juices or those kinds of things off limits. Years later, uh, Phil and I were in, in Haiti one time and they gave us... Uh, we were fatigued walking up this mountain, and they gave us a fresh coconut. They took a machete and cut it open. We drank coconut water, and we were astounded at the energy that it gave us. It completely invigorated us. It allowed us to walk up the mountain, and we had energy to spare. So since that time, I noticed you could buy coconut water in the stores, and so when I fast, I'll drink coconut water, and it, it acts as a colligative. It does something in my system that, that I, I think is helpful but none of the sugary kinds of drinks. You can fast all kinds of things. One time our church was going through a time and we declared a negativity fast. No negative things are going to come out of my mouth. No criticism, no negativity, no sarcasm. Our, our TV com comedies are all just sarcasm. Well, it's not going to come out of my mouth. We're on a fast. I'm not going to say anything more negative. Once you commit to a fast, once you decide, and it's your, it's your integrity, it's you doing it for your father's eyes, you don't want to break your fast because you said that this is what you're going to do, it's, you don't want to disappoint your father, you want to commit to what you, you said you would do, then you can do anything. I can, I can be out and about, my friends could be eating and stand there eating an ice cream, doesn't affect me one bit because I've committed to something. I, in fact, when my kids were little, uh, it always bothered Heather on, on Wednesday when I would fast because uh, she can't manage all the kids at the table and there's, there's cooking and stuff. For me, I was committed to this thing for reasons beyond anything that I could even put in the words. And so I could cook and fast. I could sit at the table and feed the kids their food. And, and I'm on a complete fast no one knew. No one would have known because I was so committed to it. Once you decide... That's it. That's, that's half the battle. That takes, the, that takes a lot of the warfare out of the thing. And then when you break a fast, uh, you know, when you're fasting, you're tempted with all kinds of food and different kinds of things like that. So when you break a fast, you might think, now I can eat all the things and eat as much as I want because I went on this fast. 
Well, that'll wreck your intestinal system. I mean, that'll give you diarrhea. That'll, that'll wreck you. you. You'll be on a different kind of fast for, for another week. And so you have to learn how to break your fast. Breakfast, the word breakfast is break fast because you are, your body's fasting at night. And so uh, breakfast foods, normal breakfast foods like bread and oatmeal and eggs, they're perfect for breaking a fast. They're easy on your system. You could boil a couple of eggs and have a piece of toast and you won't have any issues in your system because you're breaking your fast in a reasonable way. You're putting a limited amount of food in there. You limit, put a limit on it. Put a limit on what you'll eat. It's not the time to go out and buy a pizza. It's not the time to go out and eat a great big thing at McDonald's because that'll wreck your system. You, you, you'll be sorry that you did that. That's... that's uh, Something I learned. You can fast. You can fast all kinds of things. You can fast for several different reasons at one time. You can say, I'm fasting for my brother-in-law. I'm fasting for this, my friend over here. I'm fasting because I need a financial breakthrough over here. You can actually name it beforehand. Here's the, here's the power of deciding beforehand what you're fasting for. Here's what happens. So you decide you're fasting for this financial breakthrough. You're fasting for a new job. And you're fasting for your friend. They're the three things that you decide to fast for. And you're, you're putting that before God. And you, you tell him beforehand the reward that you're looking for, what you're wanting. And so what happens is, as you lay that out before the Lord, then when the enemy comes and he tempts you, even sometimes disguised as your best friend, and say, let's go for wings. There's a wing walk happening here in town this week, and let's go do this. It's on, and it happens to be on Wednesday night. That's the time you decide to fast. What you do is you, you go back before the Lord and you say, I love my friend more. I need another job. And I, and I, I need a financial breakthrough in this area. Whatever the reasons were, the, and you recite them before the Lord. You say, I can get wings in, in Penyan anytime, but I can't get a breakthrough just anytime. I can't get a, a new job just anytime. Now is the time. I need to. And so as you recount before the Lord, the reasons you're fasting, it strengthens your resolve. You set those rewards before you. Everything you do is reward-based, everything. You wouldn't work in your job without knowing that there's a reward on Friday in the form of a paycheck. You wouldn't work. Everything you do is reward-based. God knows that, so he says, set the reward. Put that out there. God will reward you with what the very thing that you're praying for, the very thing you're fasting for, the very thing you're giving for. If you, if you give for applause, he says, you'll get it. You'll get, the reply, you'll get the applause. And you'll find out just how chintzy that really is. You can give for a tax receipt, and you find out how empty that is. But you can give for your eyes, for your father's eyes. You can do it to please him. He said there's a reward with that. You can pray in a way that you try to get people to think that you're the super spiritual person. But there's a way to pray before you do it for your father's eyes. You do it for his approval. And he said the fasting's the same way. So you can decide to do this. I found, though, that if we do it together as a group and we say that three weeks, this is how we're going to do it, we're not going to tell you to, we won't even know if you're fasting. We can't, we won't even, t we can't even tell you what to do. All we can say is that we're doing it. You're welcome to join us. There's benefits in it. We're doing it for the month until the end of January. We think that's a good, healthy period of time, and we're expecting 
breakthroughs. We're expecting things to happen because of this. When we're tempted, when we're discouraged, when we're feeling weak, we want to quit, all we do is we set our rewards in front of us again, remind ourselves why we're doing this, and it stimulates the desire. Let me just say this. There's, there's a clutch and a brake in most cars. There's a gas pedal and a, and a, and a brake pedal. Uh, the gas pedal is the desire. That desire should be there. There should be some kind of desire that hits your heart. That's really important. If, it's, if there's no real desire there, it's going to be tough sledding. That desire is really important. The brake part of it is sometimes there's a thing called... Um, Holy discontentment. It's not a desire. It's desperation that says, I can't stand this anymore. Something has to happen. There has to be a change. There has to be a breakthrough. And you decide, I don't have this overwhelming desire to fast, but I'm so sick of this situation. Something has to break. It's called holy discontentment. Now, if you can picture a guy named Cornelius, and he's in his house, and he's deciding that he's, he wants to connect with God in a way that he's never connected with God before. He knows there's more. He knows there's something else. So Cornelius decides that he's going to give to the Jewish cause, which happened to be a building project. And he decided to give financially. He knows somehow God likes that, so he gave financially. Then he set aside a time to pray. He's a man of leadership. He's a, he's a leader. He's a centurion over a whole group of soldiers. Yet he said, I don't care what those guys think of me. I'm going to spend time praying. I'm gonna, I, I don't know how to get to God, but I know prayer is part of it. I'm going to go in and I'm going to tell God what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, and I'm going to approach him with prayer. The other thing he said, I decided that I'm not going to eat. And he decided to fast because whatever it was, with his life, he was in a position, he had power, he had influence, he had status. None of it fulfilled him. None of it satisfied. He said there has to be something more. That's called holy discontentment. And Cornelius had it big time. So he decided, now he's not a Christian, but he decided, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want God to see my giving. I want God to see my fasting. I want God to hear my prayers. And so he set his face, and he decided to do this. Well, during the fast, during this time, an angel appeared to him, stood in his room, and the angel says, God has seen your giving, and God has heard your prayers. Here's the address of a man. Do whatever he tells you to do. And he gave him a name and address of Peter, who lived down the coast. Peter came in. Cornelius, in the meantime, got all of his family, his friend, his Italian uh, army soldiers, all, got them all in one room. And when Peter came in, God poured out heaven on that room. They all became born again. They all became baptized in the Holy Spirit. They all started speaking in tongues. Nothing like it. A whole day, unlike anything they ever experienced, because one man decided, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to press in. I'm, I, can, I can eat anytime. I can sleep anytime. I, I, can, I, I can work anytime. I'm going to pray. And he decided, my money doesn't matter. What matters is I, I, I need a breakthrough. God heard him. God saw him. The angel said, God has seen your giving. He has heard your prayers. He doesn't mention the fasting, but later on, Cornelius mentions the fasting in verse 31. This is Acts chapter 10, if you want to look it up. 
And he told Peter, he said, I was fasting. I was fasting until this hour, and an angel came, gave me your name, your address. All I know, I'm not saying an angel's going to show up. All I know is that God sees. God hears. That's what really matters. I wish us as a people that we'd all have breakthroughs in our relationships and our finances. And uh, I, I wish we'd buy up all of Main Street. I wish all of our business would just go to a different level. I wish that we'd all go deeper spiritually. I wish we had the power and the authority, which we don't have right now, to really make a difference in our community. We're lacking something. I don't think we can get there without fasting and prayer. I just don't think we can get there. I don't think I can get there without fasting and prayer. And so the only thing I know is, is I've decided that I'm going to go do this until the end of January. I want a breakthrough for us. If you want to join me, you're welcome to join me. It's just a lot easier when we do it together. We have a beautiful house called the Discipleship House. It'll be open morning and night. In fact, it'll be open if, you, if those hours that Nelson mentioned were 6 in the morning, 7 at night. If they don't suit you, you can go there and you can pray on your own. You can miss your own meals. You can decide how to do it this week if you choose to. And just see what happens. You say, Penn, I'm a diabetic. or I work physically. I'm very demanding. I can't fast food. Fast something. Fast something. There must be something you can fast. It's not about food. It's a heart kind of attitude that God wants to see. That's what he's looking for. It's not about food. But food is something that we feel entitled to, and food is an avenue that the enemy works down through and try to holds us, holds us back. And it's the most common thing we see in the Bible, that people fast. Are you into this? You want to join me into this? I really wish you would. Father, you know our hearts. You know my heart for this sermon. You know the reward that I've set before you that I want to see for me and for us. Father, use this season in our life. Take us as a people. We're in this thing together. Take us as a people, places we've never been before. I pray, Father, that you would encourage every heart. And I've shared what I felt you put on my heart to share, and I'm asking that you'd use it to inspire every heart. Go deeper and further. We thank you. We bless you for what you've done. All we're saying, Father, is we want more. Amen.